And so I'd like to begin today by asking you a question. Uh, has anyone here uh, ever had a challenge or difficulty with authority? And maybe you thought that authority can be abusive. You ever had that thought? That if we're not careful, if others are not careful, they can abuse the authority that has been given to them. But we must understand that there is uh, an element of responsibility, or there's an element of accountability when we're giving the authority to step out. And so today I'd like to share with you a thought that comes from the book of Luke, the seventh chapter, verse 6 through 10, um, with the title of the message, A Man Set Under Authority. A Man Set Under Authority. As we look at the book of Luke, the seventh chapter, verse 6 through 10, it's important to kind of set a little, some of the stage. Jesus had just, as we spoke about last week, he had just shared the Sermon on the Mount. He had just shared the Beatitudes, and he spent time and was talking with the people and giving them a conduct of life and a manner of life of how they should see things or live out their life when it comes to being faithful and trusting the Lord. And after he had finished sharing this sermon, he stepped down, he began to walk away, and he was encountered by these elders of the Jews that were coming on the behalf of this centurion who had heard of Jesus Christ, believed in Jesus Christ, and his servant was sick in need of healing. So the centurion sent the elders of the Jews to speak with Jesus. And Jesus responded with coming to where they were. And so we pick up in the verse 6, and here's what it says. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. For I am not worthy that thou should have entered under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and say to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this. And he doeth. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And so let me give you a little bit more of the backdrop here because it's important for us to understand what's happening in this setting. The first key thing to understand is what a centurion is. So a centurion is a leader within the Roman military, within the empire of Caesar. A centurion, the commander of the detachment of Roman forces that were then placed in Capernaum, sent his servants or sent those because of the illness of his servant. 
But in this time, during the first century Rome, a centurion was a military officer. He was in charge of about 100 men that were stationed uh, within this area of Capernaum. Each centurion was ranked and assigned various levels of authority and responsibility. And so we see as this man spoke that he was a man set under authority. The centurion was said to be in the middle of the Roman military hierarchy, having men who ranked in authority both above him and beneath him. And so he understood the order of leadership, the order of authority. But however, Roman centurions were usually rough, bullish fellows who cared for nobody. On many hard-fought fields, they received their training for full and future service. And they forced their way up the ranks. That it wasn't so much a competitive examination of their record, but it was by blows and cuts and bruises and wounds that these men became leaders. That there was a fight up this order of authority. Just like in this world, if we're not careful, there can be a fight up this world. And it can be easy to resist God's authority over the authority of the world. And so we're seeing a setting here within the Roman Empire where this rough, probably callous, hard, natured man is submitting himself to the authority of God. See, this particular officer, being a believer in Jesus Christ, he was eventually softened. He was more, cu more cultivated by the very fact that Jesus has given authority, or Jesus was given authority. So you can notice it often that the roughest men and women when they come to know Christ, can have the gentlest and sweetest traits of character. That Christ can transform us from the inside out. That Christ can make a difference. That his authority, when we allow his authority to rule in us, it can transform us from what we used to be to what we should be and what we could be. So what does it mean being a man set under authority. See, the centurion understood something about authority, so much so that Jesus responded as, ha as him having great faith. Let me try to explain what that means. First and foremost, it's important for that we look at the word authority a little bit. See, in the Webster's Dictionary, authority is the power to give orders, to make decisions, the power to direct or control someone or something. The power to influence or command thoughts, opinions, or behavior. But see, that same definition can apply as we look at the New Testament. But there's a Greek word in the New Testament It's pronounced exousia, 
It means authority. It basically means the right, the permission, the freedom to act. The right to rule, the permission to act, and the freedom to take action upon that act. And so it's so important that we allow ourselves to walk through and see not only what the centurion was meaning and indicating, but what Jesus saw by his actions. The first one is the right to rule or govern. See, we're reminded in 1 Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, that this belongs to God, that God has the right to rule. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. See, the Bible teaches us that God, as the creator of all, has the independent, absolute authority to rule and govern his creation, to govern all creation, to govern the existence of all things, including all mankind. Uh, we're reminded in Romans, the ninth chapter, verse 20, it says, but indeed, O man, you are, who are you to reply against God? Would a thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay? Exosia. Does not the potter have authority over the clay? See, the right to rule belongs to God. And his right to rule is a sovereign rule that he doesn't answer to anyone. But God in his sovereign wisdom and his sovereign authority loves us with an undying love that he's going to rule righteously, that his authority is holy and just and that we can trust his sovereign rule. But we also heard that that definition of authority means the right to act, to do something. And this is embodies Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven. He stepped down from the throne. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation that God had the sovereign authority to rule and then he sent Jesus Christ to act, to take that right to act, that authority, to do a wonderful work for all of mankind. See, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority in Matthew 21? See, only, only someone with the right to rule or govern would be recognized as an accepted authority. So they were asking Jesus, who gave you this right? 
How can you act this way? They challenged Jesus to state what authority gave him the right, the permission, or the freedom to act, the right to do what he was doing, setting the captives free, healing the brokenhearted, setting at liberty them that were bruised. See, one aspect that is often overlooked in this familiar narrative is the parallel that the Roman officer drawed between himself and Jesus. We would object to that and say, huh? You lumping yourself in with Jesus? Just as the Pharisees, when Jesus was speaking and acting, they say, you lumping yourself in with God? What gives you this authority? See, with the centurion, it's not that he was trying to dishonor Jesus, but quite the opposite. That this centurion meant to say, I recognize in thee, Jesus, also a man under authority. For Christ had come into the world commissioned by God. He was not here merely in his private capacity as the son of David or the son of Mary or even the son of God. But he was here as the one whom the father had chosen, anointed, qualified, and sent to carry out a divine commission. See, God sent him. For a divine purpose, God commissioned him to go. And somehow this centurion caught on to that. He had arrived at a very safe and true conclusion that Jesus Christ was acting under authority of the great God who made heaven and earth. And who looked at him, therefore, under that aspect, as duly authorized and commissioned for his work. That God had sent him, had authorized him, and had commissioned him for this very work. Even Jesus, we see many times, he stressed that he was under God's authority. He more than one cons once confessed that he had not come on his own initiative, but that it was the Father who had sent him. See, Jesus was a man under God's authority. Look at John 8, 42. It says, as Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, he would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. In John 17, 3 and 4, he said, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom ye have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So over and over again, Jesus reminded that he was a man that was set under authority. That God was sovereign rule and God had given him 
the authority to act, to do something. That the world was lost. That we are, were dead in our trespasses and sins. That we were in need of a Savior. That we were needing hope and light to shine in darkness. And God in his wisdom and his authority, he sent his very best. And Jesus Christ took up the mantle. He took the commission. He came. And maybe he thought, I could just stay in heaven. But I do nothing but what my father tells me to do. And there's safety, there's comfort, there's peace, there's joy in obeying the one who has sovereign rule over everything. So God's right to rule determines our right to act as well. God predetermined the way of our salvation and our right to respond by Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. It says, no man comes unto the Father but by me. See, we do not get to or have the right to act or respond any way we want. Because God's right to rule should always determine our right to act. So let me try to explain that a little bit. Because sometimes in this world we're going to go through some things. And we're going to say, I remember, and I don't want y'all go looking this up or watching this. Because uh, y'all know Chris Rock sometimes can have a little language and he's got a mouth on him. But there was one time way back he used to say this thing. He used to look at situations and he would say, that ain't right. And every time something would happen, he would say, that ain't right. Saints of God, I want you to know that God knows everything that's not right. And God has an answer. God has a plan for it all. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up into, into the, to that, that ain't right, that we can step outside of the sovereign will of God. And it's so important that we trust his rulership. We trust his way. We trust even his leadership. And we walk in a way that's pleasing in his sight. i give you an example. A few years back when I was still in the military, I was going through a situation with a leader that just ain't right. Anybody had it? Been there? Uh, I was very confident that this, this uh, person did not love the Lord and that uh, was almost like what we're talking about with the centurion before he knew Christ. He was very abusive, abusive and hard where no one wanted to go around him or anytime he would come around you would see people almost like they was dodging and ducking and running away and I was uh, in a pretty senior leadership position but he was my boss and I would go in and he would just if, if you know the term ripping you up one side and down the other uh, that's what he would do constantly uh, and I would go in there I would take the verbal abuse and and, and even the threats and, uh, and 
many of the people around would even hear this. He would do a lot of this publicly as well. And many times people would come to me and they say, Jeff, that ain't right. You ever heard anybody come there? And, and, and they would say, you should do this, you should do this, you should do that. And a part of me would say, yeah, that ain't right, I should do that. But the sovereign will of God, the peace of God was saying, Jeff, don't you dare. Don't respond that way. Don't respond the way of the world. Not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I'm sovereign. I'm ruling. Let me be God. And so I'm in there and I'm going through this and it's hard at times. And, in, and sometimes we even when, when folks are threatening us, if we're not careful, we can start believing those lies. You ever been there? And, we, and, and it can feel very real in our life. And so much so that I'm being threatened or being told to, to receive a general letter of reprimand for something that I had no part in, that I didn't do. And I was like, Lord, this is hard. I don't understand. I need you. And I watched this unfolding and watched this happening. And the Bible reminds us that he'll give us that peace that passes all understanding. That it'll look strange to folks around us and it looks strange to the world, but we can have that peace that passes all understanding. And so I'm sitting in, you know, uh, my boss tells me to go into the office with the general, and the general is going to give me a general officer a letter of reprimand, which destroys careers. And I look at him, and I, and, I, and I say, why? And he whispers in my ear, he says, don't worry about it, it's not really for you. I'm trying to get somebody else. I'm trying to get this guy. Saints of God, I want you to know, if somebody telling you about somebody else, they're they, they probably coming for you too. And so I walk in there, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I don't fully understand, but I, I trust you. And so I go through the entire process of the general officer reading and telling me about this general officer letter of reprimand. And it's at that moment after we go through the whole process that he looks at me and he says, because God did not release me to say anything yet. He says, Jeff, tell me what's going on. And I knew at that point I could now speak. And I said, sir, I didn't do any of this. Sir, that's not even my job. And we talk a little bit more. And I watched this general officer look at this letter of reprimand that he gave me. And he does this. 
And he says, Jeff, thank you. I'll take it from here. And shortly after that, that leader's removed. The leader that was before him was removed. And God was glorified. Those people were able to hear because they were like, how is this ever going to happen? What's going on? See, what I didn't know fully and didn't see all the way is that God had set me under authority. Not for it to be, to abuse me, not for it to rain on me, not for it to destroy me, but so that I could be a living witness of him and his goodness. So when all that transpired, there were opportunities after opportunities to explain what God had done, what he was doing. See, so often, sometimes we can look at situations the wrong way. See, I could have got ahead of that. I could have been fighting and trying to work it myself, and I would have messed up what God was doing. See, so often the fight is not outwardly. The fight is the fight within. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith, to trust him, to depend upon him, to allow him to direct our path. See, Jesus understood that. That's why he was a man that was under God's authority. See, he reminded us that the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. That they can't take his life, that he gave, gave it freely. That he allowed himself to be afflicted and abused, not for because of the, the centurions, not because of the world, but because God had fashioned it that way. And he said, I trust you. I will obey you. See, God's right to rule determines our right to act. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, we ask what Jesus would do, and we give it and we do it, in his name. Does this represent him? Does this look like what Jesus would do? Does this fall in line with the authority that was set with Jesus? See, Jesus is in the middle of God's right to rule and our right to act. He's right in the middle of it. He's not exclusive. He's the example for us all and he's the hope of glory this submittedness to Christ transformed the centurion and it transforms men and women today to make us best suited to respond to God's call and to Christ's love acts for mankind our neighbor and the whole world to give of ourselves and to fight for others in a supernatural act or is a supernatural act by God through Christ. We can't do it in and of ourselves. We are unable. 
we will get caught up in our feelings and our emotions over and over and over again. But in Christ, all things are possible. See, Jesus reminded us that his father is greater. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. See, saints, there is nothing that we can go through that's greater than the power of God, the love of God, and the hope of God in us. The centurion became a man under God's authority because of faith. See, Jesus said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. See, this is how we should operate today under God's authority, submitted and surrendered to God's will in faith, even though we may not see it with our eyes. See, we can't trust our eyes. For, whole, for many, many years, I didn't have 20-20 vision, and so I would see stuff that weren't there, and I wouldn't see things that were there. And so it's so important for us not to trust in our natural, understanding our natural eyes. See, Jesus knew to get to this point of believing, it would be by faith that we would have to step out in it. This centurion had undoubtedly fought in many fights and battles but none so great as the one to believe and trust. This is what James was speaking of when he said, I will show you my faith by my works. That he would step out in it. See, faith requires us to believe. Not just to hear Jesus, not just to see the words on the pages, but to believe, to trust so this is what the centurion did. He didn't turn against what he was hearing, but he turned to it. Faith requires us to step out on that belief. See, if we say we believe and don't act on it, we don't truly believe. See, the centurion sent. He said, go ask Jesus to come. Just like the disciples immediately followed when Jesus said, come and follow me. The centurion sent. He responded or he acted on what he believed. So often, saints, I think we do a whole lot of believing. But we fall short on the stepping out on it, on the practicing it on the walking it out, building that muscle. See, faith requires us to love others. Love the unlovable. Love those that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't understand what we may have gotten to understand. When we will get nothing in return, it's unconditional love. It's 
See, the Bible says the centurion loved the nation of Israel, and he built a synagogue. Think about that a little bit. This is a Gentile who in many thoughts wanted to tear the synagogues down, not build them. And so his faith caused him to love. This speaks to him believing and trusting and waiting and loving others. See, our faith also requires a humble heart to submit to the lordship of Christ. In Luke, the seventh chapter, verse six, it says, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof. A proud soldier, leader, humbled himself. He said, I'm not worthy. See, the humbleness and surrendered heart of this man is on full display. His faith is coming out in his actions. But finally, faith requires us to Trust that Jesus will work. God is working. That he's always working on our behalf. To look what Luke chapter 7 verse 7 says, Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. See, he trusts that Jesus could heal without even being there. Saying a word. Trust that he is working on your behalf. Even when you don't even see it. That God loves us so much that he has our good and not our bad. See, the authority of Christ is so, so important. See, these Pharisees, they wouldn't believe and trust in the authority of Christ. Even though they saw with their own eyes the authority of God upon Jesus. Remember when we talked about Luke, the fifth chapter, verse 20 through 24, it says this. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth 
to forgive sins. He not only wants the scribe and the Pharisees to know that, but he wants us to know that he has power on earth to forgive sins, that he has power to heal, that his authority has been given by God, and it's real, and it's powerful. And without a doubt, Jesus received his authority from the one true God that is the Father of heaven and of earth. So Christ did a couple things. Christ submitted himself to the authority of God for a divine purpose. Christ surrendered his life for you and I. And just as Christ submitted himself to the authority of God, let us submit to the authority of Christ. See, we are people set under authority. And there is safety. There is peace. There is joy in knowing that very fact. So here's some key takeaways for you. See, being set under the authority of Christ provides power. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. See, the authority set under Christ provides power. It also provides protection. He protects our heart. He reminds us that he's with us, that he's not just with us for a short time, just for a minute, that he's with us always. And that the authority set under Christ provides purpose for each and every one of us to be ambassadors for Christ, to be light and salt in this dying world. The Bible says you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So saints of God, let's step out on our beliefs and act. Because we are people that are set under authority. There is safety, there is protection, there is provision in that authority that our sovereign God gave to Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ goes before us. He's the first of many brethren. And so just as Jesus Christ went first, be the first to respond when God tells you to go. And I guarantee you, you won't regret it because you're a man or a woman that are set under authority. Just as Jesus was, 
And God fulfilled the plan and the purpose that he has for Jesus. And most assuredly, he'll do it for you if you let him. Because he's just that good of a God.